Welcome to the HCC Podcast. Our mission here at Heritage is to nurture love for God, love for self, and love for each other. I hope and pray that the message you're about to hear does that for you. And remember, you're always welcome here at Heritage Community Church. I want to preach today on the mind gate. We started a series last week called Guarding the Gates. Last week we talked about the heart because the Bible says everything you do flows from the heart. But when you allow those emotions into your heart and it seeps into your mind and now you have these anxious thoughts that you are no longer in control and you, and you fear and you tremble and you worry and you doubt and all these other adjectives that we can put with the word anxiety and you're just reeling inside and don't know what to do and the only thing you know to do is just to say, Lord, turn it around. And I want you to know this morning that if you've ever felt bouts of, of anxiety or you may even have had it this morning or even right now, let me know you came to the right place. Because the same God, right? The same God, He can do it. So God, right now, as we move into your word, speak to us today. God, I pray, Lord, that this not be words from my mouth, but these be words from yours, spoken directly from heaven. God, I pray, Lord, you know I can't do this. You know this is too big for me. I'm honest. I'm open about it. This is too big for, for, for me. But, God, let your Holy Spirit speak today. And do with me what you did with Moses when you said, I'll be your mouth when you speak. So God, for every single person in this room, open up our mind to know, our ears to hear, and our eyes to see the truth of your word. And it's in your name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may have a seat. So again, I'm glad you're here today. For those of you that are watching online, you're just a part of this as you would be here in person. But let me just tell you, there's something about being in person that just is unmatched. I love being in person and I love, and you know what? And I'm going to preach about, I don't want to get ahead of myself for just a bit, but I didn't realize how much I missed church until I didn't have church. Did anybody else kind of that same thought? I didn't know how much I'd miss church until I didn't have church. So we're in this series called guarding the gates, right? I think it's important series for the season that we're in. I feel that we're in a battle and the enemy knows what our weaknesses are. So he pokes and he prods and he tries to get in until we give in. That's why it's so important to guard the heart, to guard the gate to your mind, to guard the gate to your words, your actions, your emotions. I feel that because we're talking about this very real things, because we're bringing them to light, the enemy's going to be intentional about his attack to get us off track. Now, listen, call me intense. I've been called much worse. But this is real. And we've got to guard our heart. Your heart matters. I said last week, I'm a helicopter dad. Call me what you will. But my children's heart matters. My wife's heart matters. Why? Because everything you do flows from the heart. The purpose of this message series is to shed light on some areas that we really need to guard. Because if we don't, the enemy will use it against us. So again, what we shared last week, Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23, above all else, meaning nothing is more important 
Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. If we want the other gates guarded like they should, then the heart must be first. But today I want to spend some time on the mind gate. Now the mind is so complex, we can talk about depression and anxiety and how negative thoughts play on the mind. So it's hard to cover your mind in just one week. So we're going to be talking multiple weeks about this. And as a matter of fact, just as a push, next week, next Sunday, I won't be here. I'll be in Ocean City at Winterfest where our teens and our kids are going to be praising God and our very own Mike Hyde is going to be bringing the word. So listen, y'all come and hear that. It's going to be amazing, okay? But we can talk about all these things. So we're going to be talking multiple weeks on guarding the mind. Why? Because emotions are a product of the heart. But consume your mind. Emotions are a product of your heart, but they consume your mind. And today we're going to deal with anxiety. More people today I can see are just tense. It's a product of the heart. It's a product of allowing a mindset that causes stress. Look, I'm easily agitated. It's not something I want to admit, but I easily get kind of just upset about things when things don't. We're impatient. Let's be honest, we are, in, we are in an impatient culture. And if things don't happen just like this, what do we do? We get frustrated. Why can't this happen quicker than what I want it to? I see so much hate and so much anger today. Why? It's a product of their heart? Yes. But also an emotion that has polluted their mind. I've talked to so many people in the last few years that just feel a deep sense of being Hopeless, lacking confidence, lacking direction, questioning everything and everybody. I've seen good Christian people get sucked into this culture and they start to form habits that are contrary to, to their character. And so many people in some form or another would just say, life's not working out the way that I want it to. Things aren't going the way that I want it to. Such heaviness, such uneasiness. Look, 2020 was a year where everything changed. In 2023, we still worry about things. And I get it. I do too. But God did not give us a spirit of what? Fear. Fear, but of love. love. Power, sound mind. That's what he came to do. He did not call us to be scared or to be worried or be depressed or to be anxious. Why? Because when he died on the cross, he set you free from that. But I would describe today as just heaviness. Man, that word. What a powerful word. Has anyone ever felt heaviness? And I'm not talking about being heavy. That's just a little bit different. I'm talking about heaviness, uneasiness, like things are weighing down on you, pressing down on you, where everything around you is off track. I, I define heaviness as sometimes being overwhelmed by exhaustion, too busy, doing too much, not honoring Sabbath can keep you overwhelmed. Heaviness can be so many things. It can simply be your church self telling your other self that what you're doing is wrong. Heaviness can be you carrying the burdens of other people. And that's where mine comes in. Look, I love praying for people. But pastoring is one of those jobs where you can't just go home and just release it all and not ever think. You carry burdens of everybody that you talk to that week and that month. And after so many years, it gets heavy. It's heaviness. And sometimes it's hard to get away from. 
Why do you think Jesus so many times within his word went away to pray? He went away to pray away from everybody else because he didn't want the distraction of everybody. He simply wanted to be alone with God. So that heaviness that he was in, the anxiety that we're about to talk about, that even Jesus himself dealt with, he wanted to get away so he could just decompress. Where he could just pray. But our mind has gotten off track. And when we have let our guard down, so to speak, our actions and our words don't produce the fruit that Christ desires in us. I said it before, but I never knew how much I'd miss church until we didn't have it, right? I missed the connection. The literal Greek word church, the first part of that ek means out. And then kalasia means calling, which literally means the church is meant to be called out. That very word tells you that the church was never designed for just within these walls. This is where we learn the play. This is where we run the routes. This is where we learn where to block. This is where we learn the coverages. This is where we learn it so that we can be called out to do the play, right? Church isn't just about what we do here. Church is about what we do out there. And there's so many things, man, that I've learned about church. Let me tell you, because the first time church was used, the literal word church was in Matthew. When Jesus said, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Let me tell you why that's so important to me, why church is important, and why I think and I know that you should make church a priority in your life. Not only does church sometimes create less anxiety in your life because you're around other people that you know, believe the same way that you do. But let me list just a couple of things that happened to me. When I was in kids' church, I gave my heart to Christ. I was baptized in, in Ohio. I grew closer to God in church. I was involved in drama and music and teen talent and plays and skits and choirs. Where? All in church. I met my wife at church camp. Come on now. We went to church together, started working for a church. We grew together in church. We experienced hurt in church. But we loved God even more in church. We had three beautiful children who are all involved in church. All have given their heart to Christ in church, baptized in church. Look, there's something important about being in church. But if we miss the called out part, then we're not doing our job. We learn what the, what, what the Lord wants us to learn inside the building. And then when we walk out, you're walking out into your mission field. You're walking out to where the gospel needs to be preached. You're walking out to an area where there's people that are literally hurting and starving for truth. And who better to share with them the truth than the people who have experienced the truth. Right? That's what the church is for. But look, I know my kids today are not perfect. Lord have mercy. I love them, but they ain't perfect. And I give a lot of credit to who they are today because of my wife, because she's an amazing and, and a godly mom. But I give a lot of credit to the church. And, I'm, and, and as you'll see through the rest of this message today, I'm about to peel back layers of myself and be open and be honest and transparent today on what the church has done for me because I've battled anxiety my entire life. I know what it feels to, to, to be just hidden 
under a rock where you don't think anybody sees you. I know what it feels like when you think you're supposed to be doing something and doors just aren't opening up. I know what it feels like when you receive church hurt and that anxiety that creeps up in you where you tell yourself you're, 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 you're no good. Or even the time when God called me to preach and I said, no, God, I can't do that. Do you not know my speech? Do you not know that sometimes I can't get the words out right? Why would you call me out to preach? Why would you call me to do something that you know I can't do? No, God, I can't do that. And anxiety began to creep inside of me where when it does, it just it's, it's a heaviness that comes upon you where you feel like you can't do anything. I know what anxiety feels like. And I get emotional about this message because this message is who I was. But I say was intentionally because the Lord, right? We've, we've got to know this, that the Lord can set us free. So I'm going to admit that I still battle even today with overwhelming feelings of, of anxiety. I often find myself waking up early into the mornings. Staying up late at night. Just babbling, not knowing what to really say. Worrying about things that are out of my control. Did you know that most of the things that we worry about may never even happen? But has anybody else ever felt that? Where you stay up late, wake up early, you just can't think, you can't turn your mind off? Am I the only one? Where the weight of the workload, my mind will often lock in all to the, to, to, to the responsibilities that I have and the things that I have to do. And I, and I find myself in the middle of the night just trying to catch my breath, trying to calm my, uh, myself and overcome. And I'm overcome with a very real sense of panic. Listen, dealing with COVID for me was overwhelming pastoring a church as a first-time pastor because I often found myself asking the question, am I really the right guy for this job? I would stay up late at nights and say, God, surely there's somebody better out there than me. I know my calling. I know my gifts. I know what the Lord has put in me. But an anxiousness of mind can sometimes paralyze you to the fact where you forget what the Lord said and told you to do. Where in that moment, I can't do anything but just worry. And when you catch yourself in that moment where what you see with your eyes is not what you know God said. You turn that emotion back around and you say, you know what, God, I'm going to put my mind on what you said, not on what I see. Because your promises are true. Your promises are yes and amen. And if you said it's going to happen, then it will. Come on, let's praise God. Anxiousness and anxiety is a real problem. And anxiety doesn't make you a bad person. Anxiety doesn't even make you messed up. And I just want to start by acknowledging the fact that, it, that it's very complicated. Anxiety, it can be in your mind. It can be emotional. It can be spiritual. It can lead to other problems like being insecure, being critical. Why? Because it's easier to complain than to just handle the problem. Anxiety can mean being obese. And that's something hard for me to talk about because when you get anxious, what do you do? You eat. Right? Let's be honest. Anxiety can lead to all these things. It can cause you to shut off from the world. And you know what the Bible says about an idle mind? Proverbs says it's the devil's playground. 
Anxiety can cause us to develop bad habits because we don't know how to cope with the, in, with the inside pain that we feel. So when I talk about anxiety, what I want to do is I want to take a holistic approach. Meaning you might want to see a doctor that with your diet or to give you supplements or to give you medicine. It could be helpful. You might want to go see a counselor to deal with anxiety. There's nothing wrong with that. Let me make this clear. If you need to see a doctor, that is perfectly okay. But it's also okay to give your burdens to God and say, Lord, I can't do this anymore. Turn it around. I need you to do something right now that no man can do. I need you to do something in me and do a healing inside of me right now. That healing, maybe that's why that word hasn't left me because somebody today is going to receive healing. And I believe and I don't know who's here today that may be dealing with this. You may have walked in today so anxious that you almost didn't even wake up and come to church. But I'm telling you, you're in the right place because here the healer Jehovah Rapha is in the house. I want to look how Jesus dealt with anxiety. So as we talk about anxiety as a Christian, it raises the question, if I feel anxious, am I letting God down? No, you are not. And as a matter of fact, it might surprise you that Jesus himself even dealt with this. Remember, he was God in the flesh. Which means he experienced the same things that we do. He felt the same things that we do. He saw the same things that we, that we do. He was perfect. He was sinless. He was innocent. But there was a moment in his life when he went to, to the garden. When he was overcome with anxiety. You see, whenever anxiety rose up, Jesus talked back to it. Whenever anxiety rose up in his life, whenever heaviness rose up in his life, we're going to go to Mark and we're going to show you exactly what Jesus did. And I want you to see this in, in Mark. It says they went to the garden. And Jesus said to the disciples, watch this, sit here while I go pray. They, the place they went to, this garden, literally means the crushing. The place where he went was literally called the crushing. Why? Because the anxiety that Jesus felt in the moment was literally crushing his spirit. It was crushing him. And I want you to see what happened. This is what anxiety does. It crushes. But what did Jesus do? Jesus did the first thing that I feel that we need to do when we're overcome with anxiety. And it's simply this. You talk to those closest to you about it. You can't keep it inside. You can't let it dwell within you. You can't just not talk about it because what happens when you don't share? Then it begins to build and build and build to that one day when it just explodes. That's why Jesus did something that was so important. He talked to those that were closest to him. Watch, it says he took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled now this is what he said to them this is Jesus being transparent this is Jesus opening up to a very real issue that he dealt with he said my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death stay here and keep watch the Son of God who was perfect and who never sinned was deeply distressed and troubled. I love the way that the Message Bible puts this. It says he plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. I want you to think about that phrase. That's what anxiety does to you. 
That's what anxiety did to me. It caused me to plunge into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. I wonder if you've ever been in that place before. I'm just wondering if you've ever been there where you have felt what that feels like. It's a sinkhole of heart beating, hard to catch your breath, sins of darkness and panic all around you. And Jesus sank into this dark hole of dreadful agony. Well, why did he do this? Why did he get to that place? Well, Jesus was God in the flesh again, and he knew the horror of what was about to come. He knew what was about to happen to him. And even though he was completely innocent, he was going to be arrested and tortured and died the most painful and completely humiliating way possible to die. And even worse, he was perfect, he was sinless, and he was about to become sin for the sacrifice of this world. So if you can imagine, he's never sinned. He's always enjoyed perfect communion with God. And he was going to become, and you name it, it could be rape, abuse, and hatred, and violence, and envy, and lying, and lust, and the list goes on. He became sin so that we could be set free. And he was innocent, and he was blameless, and didn't deserve what he went through. Yet he was in the garden praying, and he's saying, my soul is overcome to the point that I'm dying on the inside. He was dealing with anxiety. And in the middle of the sinkhole, this emotional agony, I want you to watch the honesty that Jesus has. And I'm talking about the honesty that we have to have with each other. And it's not this. Hey, man, how you doing? Man, I'm great. Hey, how, how, how you doing? Oh, you know, glory to God, doing great. How you doing, man? Keeping on, keeping on. And we've got these little phrases that we say to ourselves and literally what you're doing is you're lying to yourself on how you really feel. And Jesus knew that he couldn't do that. He said, I am overwhelmed. He said, I'm dying on the inside. It's raw, complete, transparent honesty to his friends. He's saying, guys, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. In, over, in, in, uh, in other words, I'm hurting so much that I need you right now more than I can describe. And he said, I want you to sit here while I go pray. Now watch what he didn't say. He didn't say, I want you to go to sleep while I go pray. He said, I want you to sit and watch while I go pray. So not only is Jesus in pain because of what he knows is about to happen. Now how do you think he feels when he goes back and he finds the one that he loves asleep? That's why we need each other. That's why we can't lack this community with each other that's why we have to open up and talk with each other because the power of with is something special being with each other I believe one of the biggest reasons that so many people are have anxiety today is because we're lacking community and I honestly believe that there's so many people today that are unsettled. They're scared to death. They're, they are vulnerable to whatever the latest rumor of bad news is because they're lacking godly, encouraging, uplifting, spiritual building community from the body of Christ. And it's time, church, that we become the church again. It's time that we start spreading the good news. It's time that we start giving the encouraging word that, hey, there is a Savior who can help you in your time of need. There is somebody that when you hurt at your deepest, that he can heal you right then and there. We've got to start sharing the good news. Why? Because there's people dying every day that haven't heard it. And it's time for the church to be the church. Being with each other. 
Who's Christ? He's literally Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. In other words, God didn't just shout his love down from heaven. No, he literally sent his son in the flesh to be with you. To be with us. To die on a cross for you. He was with you. It's good to be with. There's something about heritage. Come on now. There's something about being in the presence of God with somebody else. It's great when you're by yourself and you're alone and you're in your prayer closet or whatever or, or whatever you do when the presence of God comes. But there's something special when the body of Christ comes together in the presence of God. There's something. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. When the church comes together. So Jesus, the sinless son of God, says to his friends, I need you. And he talks to them and he says, this is crushing me. So the first thing you do when you feel these bouts of anxiety is you talk to somebody. But number two, you talk with God. And let me explain it to you this way. I don't know if this creates anxiety in you, but it does me. Do you ever hate when that red light goes off in your car? Yes. Come on. Man, y'all are quiet today. Do you ever hate when that red light goes off in your car? Man, it gives me anxiety. Because I'm thinking, man, if it's just the exclamation point, it's just your tires. We're good. We go put the air in the tires and you're good. But when the check engine light comes on, come on. I don't know what I can do now, God. I, I, you know, I don't have any more money. You know, it's the end of the month. I've already paid my bills. I'm low. Can't get this fixed. Got to have a car to go to work. And it gives you anxiety when that red light comes on. Guess what? Let me tell you something. That red light isn't the problem. It's what's on the inside that's the problem. The red light is just a signal alerting to you that something needs to get checked. Let me tell you something. Anxiety is not the problem. Anxiety is just a signal that alerts you that it's time to pray about it. Anxiety is a signal that tells you it's time to talk to God. Anxiety is a signal that goes off in your mind that says, I need to talk to my, to my closest friends. My circle of friends, it's time to get it out in the open so that I can receive healing that I need. The red light goes off and it's time to pray. In fact, Paul said this, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, what did he say do? Pray. By prayer? Right? By prayer? And thanksgiving. So not only do I pray, but I thank God for my healing in the, in the same words, in the same phrase. God, heal me from my anxiety. God, thank you for my healing from anxiety. And in the middle of a moment, you could be healed just like that. Why do I know that? Because that's who he is. If it's big enough to worry about, then it's big enough to pray about. What's going on in your mind? What's on your heart? Take it to God because if you're worried about your marriage, pray for your marriage. If you're worried about your children, pray for your children. If you're worried about your job, pray for your job. When the signal goes off in your head that something isn't right, it's time to get on your knees and give it to God. Amen. It's time to pray. Because why? If it's on your mind, it's on his heart. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. So what is anxiety? It's a signal alerting you. It's time to pray. It's exactly what Jesus did. If we go back to the same passage, after he tells his closest friends that he is overwhelmed with this dreadful agony, this sorrow to the point where he's dying on the inside, he says this. He says, going more, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass for him. He said, Abba, he said, 
everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Now let's stop there. What did Jesus do? He cried out and he prayed that if possible that this hour might pass. In other words, he was telling God, hey, if we can do this another way, I'd greatly appreciate it. If we can do this, if you can find some other way to, you know, wiggle in here and get this going the way it should, I'm okay not dying. That's what he said. He said, if you can take this cup from me, Take it if you can. That's the anxiety in his heart saying, I don't know what to do anymore. You've got to turn this around. And I don't know how it looks for you. Cry out to God. I don't know if I can take this anymore. And I promise you, when you're honest like that to God, God would rather you be honest and unleashed on him some, and, and, than to be some hypocrite and just walk away. He's big enough for you to be honest. He is big enough for you to pray to him and say, God, Things are coming apart. I don't know what to do. I don't know why you haven't done it this way. And I don't know why. What, what can I do, God? And be honest with him. Be honest with God. Get it out. Get it out. He can take it. Why do we do that? Because when we shout to God how we think we should do it, he shouts back and says, no, this is how I'm going to do it. And then we say, okay, God, not my will but your will be done. That's what Jesus did. He said, take this cup from me. He says, let's do it another way. So you talk to your friends. You talk to God. That's one and two. Number three, you talk to your emotion. We're sometimes a product of our emotional state in the moment. We become angered. Why? Because we're angry. Don't do that. We are emotional people by nature. That's just who we are. Because circumstance heighten our emotional state. And then we allow the emotions of our heart and mind to control our words and actions. And then what happens when, 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 when we allow that, the hate and the anger and whatever you may call it in here. And it gets to here. Then it begins to show here. And it begins to show in our actions. So if you go back and you replay kind of the situation that happened. And you're saying maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe it was a matter of your heart and mind that we got to go back and say God deal with me. God, deal with me so that this doesn't happen again. Deal with my heart so that I don't unleash the emotion. The emotion doesn't control you. You can control the emotion. So you talk to the emotion and say, you don't lead me. You don't lead me. What did Mark say? You have Jesus here. And he's hurting. He's dying. He's talking to his friends. He's talking to, 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 to God. And in that moment, he did not allow his emotion of not wanting to endure the pain control him. But rather, he controlled the narrative when he said, yet not what I will, but what you will. He said, take this cup. That's what I want. But I'm going to tell you my mind. I'm going to speak my emotion. Take this cup. But you know what, God? I trust you. And I know that you can do a lot more if I give it to you than if I hold it in my hand. So I'm going to release it to you. I'm going to release this emotion so that you can take care of it. And when Jesus released the emotion and he said, yet not what I will, but what you will. What did Jesus do? He was innocent. He never sinned. 
He was blameless. He didn't wake up saying, I want to be despised. He didn't wake up saying, I want to be crucified. He didn't wake up saying, I want to do this. But he realized in the moment that his, that his purpose here on earth wasn't to save himself. That his purpose was to save you. So he said, God, not what I will. But what you will. If, if the band would come, if the, if, if the praise team would come. Speak to your emotions. Tell them the truth. Whenever you start to feel like, well, maybe God doesn't love me. No, God is love. For, and for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would just believe in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. My anxiety doesn't control me. And maybe that's why, and I'm going to brag on him for just a minute, and this is free, this isn't in, in my notes, but maybe it's why God put the holes in my life when, 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 when he did. Because January was hard for me. It was tough. And I didn't like what I was doing. I was called to pastor, but pastoring wasn't fun. Can I be honest? Pastoring wasn't fun. Because I was hurting, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And then you, you, it comes Dr. Hall who says, hey, we need rest. We need Sabbath. We've got to get your, your soul taken care of. We've got to get your emotional health back where it should be. And I started doing, we, we began to talk. And, I, and let me tell you something, I'm so much better today because of what he, he, he did. And I'm saying it's, it's him, it's God, and I know it's God. But I'm telling you what, there's something about Sabbath. There's something about rest that can free your soul. There's something about when anxiety comes into your life, what, can, what you can do when you take a step aside and just rest and allow God to heal you. But if all we ever do, church, is just go and go and go and go and go and don't ever stop. You'll never receive the healing that you're supposed to get. It's only when we can take a step back and say, God, I'm going to stop trying to do it my way. I'm going to speak to my emotion and say, my emotion doesn't lead me. I lead my emotion. And I take a step back and I rest and I let God do his thing. Here's what we have to do. We have to guard our heart. I have to align my heart with his. To guard my mind, I have to allow my mind with what I know God said. Jesus said anxiety is a, re is a reality. It's an emotion. But my anxiety doesn't have to control me. But rather you, God, I put my hope and my trust in you. What I see with my eyes sometimes isn't what I know you said. Therefore, anxiety builds up. But what I do is I align my heart, not with what I see, but I align it with what I know God said. And when you do that, healing can happen. So as the music begins to play, there may be somebody in this room who's been dealing with anxiety. If the altar team would come. Anxiety has been hard on you last year, last two, last three, maybe this morning. Anxiety's real. And there's no shame in asking the Lord to heal you from it. 
It was Jesus' mindset that helped him overcome it. When he was hanging on the cross and the creation was at its worst, mocking and spitting on the Creator, God in the flesh, Jesus looked up and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then here's the most beautiful thing in Scripture. He says, I commit my spirit. He controlled the narrative. He did not say, these people killed me and they did this. He said, no, I willingly give my life for those that I love. I willingly give my life so that nobody else has to deal with what I went through. I, I, I openly give myself. That same God. That same God can heal you today. He can do it. Pastor, you're crazy. Yeah, I am. But I've experienced healing in my life. I know what it's like for the doctor to walk in your room and say he's not going to make it. I know what it's like when I turned over on my side because of the pain that I was dealing with and I looked at my mom, my precious mom, and I said, pull the plug, I'm okay. I know what it's like to have anxiety build up. But today, I also know what it's like to be set free. And I want you to experience it too. Now, does that mean that I won't ever deal with it again? No, but now when it comes, I know what to do. And that's the difference. I know what to do now. So with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, if you deal with anxiety or you've dealt with anxiety or you know somebody that deals with it and you want to ask the Lord to help you, would you slip up your hand? Oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm in the right place. God, have. God, help us. God, help us. God, help us. God, help us. God, do your thing today. I want to challenge you to come and pray. None of these people up here in the front are saviors, meaning they can't just heal you. But if you'll walk up here, what they can do is they can pray for you and introduce you to the one who can. So as the band plays this song, would you be bold enough to come? God, I pray and ask for boldness today, for courage and for strength. Let this be a holy moment where healing right here in this altar takes place. So God, would you release the minds of those who raise their hands and give them the strength to get up and walk and come and hear from you. Amen and amen. Would you come? Would you come? Come on.